Once again, good morning. Good to see you folks. Glad to have you with us this morning. We're in Hebrews chapter 2, and we looked a little bit at verse 16 last week, and I want to go a little bit deeper. A little bit deeper. Let's read, let's read verse 16 of chapter 2 once again with me, if you would. It says, For verily he, speaking of our Lord Jesus Christ, took not on him the nature of angels. He took not on him the, angel, the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. And we considered the word election. We, we considered how this points to election. Christ could have taken on the seed of Adam, but he didn't. He chose to take on the seed of Abraham. And this morning I want to look at you a little bit about what that means. We must see and acknowledge, first though, the God of glory is absolutely sovereign in all things, especially in, a, in salvation. He wounds, and he heals, he kills, and he makes alive. It is his sovereign right to either save man or damn him, to either be gracious or to pass me by. Rebels would be wise to fall down before his sovereign throne and beg for mercy. Like a leper, fall down at his feet and say, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean, as we read in Mark chapter 1, verse 40. I ask, will you perish in your proud rebellion, or will you take your place in the dust and beg for mercy? Our song we just sang, Pass me not, O gentle Savior, hear my humble cry. Hear my cry as that one who is over in the side of the synagogue, crying out, pounding his chest, Lord, hear my cry, have mercy upon me. Rather than one who stands before God in his own self-righteousness saying, I'm thankful that you didn't make me like those other folks over there. Folks, we were made as those other folks over there. We're just like them. We walk through this world shaking our fist at the true and living God, saying we will not have him to rule over us. We will rule over ourselves. And as children of God, we know that's the way we walked. We clearly see now what we were blind of before. I tell you without hesitation that this gospel of God's free and sovereign grace of divine sovereignty is a vital gospel. It's a vital doctrine, a vital teaching. The world doesn't want to hear about a sovereign God. They want to hear about a God who works out things according to what they want them to work it out to. God's people, we bow to the Lord of all as the Lord of all. Why is this important for us who believe to consider these things over and over again? The same reason it is for us to come to this table in remembrance of him. Because we walk through this valley of shadow of death in this flesh. And this flesh is weak. You might be strong, but I sure aren't. I'm sure not. It says in Ephesians 2, verses 2 and 3, and this applies to us. This applies to me. It says, where in times past ye walked according to the course of this world, 
according to the prince and the power of the air, the spirit now know, that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had. This is Paul, the apostle Paul, who is speaking, who is clearly sees the truth now about what he is before God. Remember what he was before the Lord showed him the truth? He was a proud Pharisee. He was going about doing God's work. He was a very, very religious man on this path to destruction, doing exactly what we saw here, according to the prince of the Spirit, and now working the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversations in time past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling and desiring the flesh and the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Grace keeps these truths always before us. It is the intention, it is the desire and the purpose of Christ to save all of the seed of Abraham. He took not on him the nature of angels, he took not on him the seed of Adam, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. The Son of God took hold of, that's what that means, took on, took hold of the seed of Abraham to save them. God Almighty grabs a hold of us. He grabs us with his own arms. I'm not... It's like I told the folks at the, at the funeral that I was at on Wednesday night. God's not waiting around for you. He's, if, he waits, if he was waiting around for you and I, we'd be still on that path to destruction. Aren't you thankful he intercedes? Aren't you thankful he comes to us and grabs us out of that pit that we were once in and pulls us up to him? He takes a hold of us. Abraham's natural seed is not what it's talking about here. You know, Abraham was of the, he was the, of the Jewish race. And his seed, and out of his seed came Jacob, whose name was turned to Israel. And this is not talking about that, though. It's not talking about his natural seed. It's talking about his spiritual seed. It's talking about the seed of promise. It refers to the whole company of God's elect. Look over at Romans chapter 4 with me for a moment. Turn over to Romans chapter 4. We're talking about the seed of Abraham here. The seed of promise. In, in, in Romans chapter 4, verse 16. This is the seed of promise. This is the seed of Abraham. Therefore, it says in verse 16 of Romans chapter 4. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace... To the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed, the seed of promise. Not to that only which is of the law, but to that which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. He's the father of the seed of promise. What, what, was, what was Abraham's righteousness accounted to him for? He believed God. Isn't that what the scripture tells us? He believed God. It wasn't something he did. It wasn't something that he could call righteousness of own, his own. He knew that that very faith, he knew that the Lord Jesus was the author and the finisher of his faith, of his belief, just as it is for you and I. We believe God's word. Abraham, who is the father 
of us all. Look again now, if you would, over Romans chapter 9. Turn a couple of pages to the right. Let's go over to Romans chapter 9 for just a moment. And let's look at verses 6 through 8 of Romans 9. We're speaking about our father, Abraham, who is the father of belief, the father of promise. Beginning in verse 6, Not as though the word of God hath taken none effect, for they are not all Israel which are of Israel. We're, we're talking about it's not the natural seed of, of Abraham, but the spiritual seed. For they are not all Israel, those of the natural, which are of Israel. Neither, verse 7, because they are of the seed of Abraham, are they all children. But in Isaac shall thou see be called, is what we see in Scripture. That is, in verse 8, they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise, are counted for the seed. So we see again, we are the seed of promise. Turn over to Galatians chapter 3. Go to the right. One more time, just before Ephesians. Galatians chapter 3. Look with me at verse 7. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. Those who are of belief, we're going to look a little bit about that in this morning's message at 11 o'clock. The light that shineth. Know ye therefore that they which are of the faith, the same are the children of Abraham. Look over at verse 13, uh, chapter 3, verses 13 through 16. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, it says in verse 13, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, that the blessings of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Brethren, I speak after the manner of men. Though it be but a man's covenant, yet it be confirmed, no man disannulleth or addeth thereto. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not, and to the seeds of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. That was where the promise was first made, was to the Lord Jesus Christ before the world was ever created. The covenant of the great three in one, the covenant of grace. So we can see through the word of God, those who have true God-given faith are by grace the seed of Abraham. So when did Christ take a hold of us? Christ took a hold on Abraham's seed as their surety in the covenant of grace before the world began and agreed to save them as we read in Genesis 43, 9, where it says, I will be the surety for him of my hand, shalt thou require him. If I bring him not unto thee, and set him before thee, then let me bear the blame forever. Now that was the surety of, of, of Jacob, I mean, I'm sorry, Joseph. When his brother was, was uh, no, no, not Joseph, it wasn't Joseph, it was Joseph's younger brother. I'm getting the names confused. I apologize on that. But this is talking about Jacob's sons. When uh, the oldest son wanted to take the youngest son down into Egypt, he was told to bring his youngest brother, Benjamin, bring Benjamin down into Egypt. And he, and he assured his dad, he assured Jacob, that let me be the surety. If anything happens to the lad, I will be a surety. That's a picture of what Christ said to the Father for you and I. The difference is, our Lord Jesus is a better surety 
than any flesh could ever be. In John chapter 6, verse 39, it says this, And this is the Father's will, which has sent me of all that which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again the last day. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, we read this, In whom? In Christ, whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Our Lord took a hold on his elect as our substitute, legally taking our place under the wrath of God, dying under the penalty of our sins upon that cross. That's what we read in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. For he, God the Father, hath made him, God the Son, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And we just read in Galatians chapter 3.13, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. When our substitute died, insofar as God's law and justice were concerned, we died in him. Folks, to be in Christ is to have gone through everything Christ has gone through. To be part with him, to be co-heirs with him. To be blessed of him in all heavenly and spiritual blessings. When he died, we died in him, as it says in Romans 7, verse 4. Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that ye should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. We were crucified with Christ. And in the fullness of time, the good shepherd comes to each and every one of us, every one of his sheep for whom he died, and he takes a hold of us by the hand, his almighty hand, his almighty irresistible hand, and he saves us in grace. That's what we read in Luke chapter 15, Luke chapter 15 verses 4 through 5. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if ye lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety-nine and nine in the wilderness, and go after that which is lost until he find it. And when he hath found it, he layeth down his shoulders rejoicing. Is that not what Christ did to each and every one of us? And blessed is his matchless name forever. Our Lord, our God, our good shepherd, he holds us securely in his hand, his almighty grace, and he will not let us go until he has brought us safely into heaven above. Look with me at John chapter 10. Look with me, if you would, at John chapter 10. When did our Lord take a hold of us? He takes a hold of us right this very moment, holding us up. In John chapter 10, we read these words in verse 28. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Does that not hold us up? Is that not... Christ Jesus grabbing a hold of us and holding on to us. I remember our pastor telling us many a times, you know, you're not the anchor of the ship, but the anchor is holding on to us. The anchor of our soul, the anchor of our life. Turn, over, turn back to verse 16 of the same chapter, John chapter 10, verse 16, and look with me there. And other sheep, he says, I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. And they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. 
Brother Don Fortner wrote this. He said, since Christ took on himself the seed of Abraham, you can be sure of this. You can be sure that all of the seed of Abraham shall be saved. He shall save his people. Isn't that what we read in Matthew 1.21? We read in Isaiah 42.4, he shall not fail. Folks, the purpose of God cannot be overturned. The covenant of grace cannot be nullified. The cross of Christ cannot miscarry. The grace of God cannot be frustrated. The seal of the Spirit cannot be broken. The intercession of Christ cannot be ignored. The hold that Christ has, you and I, cannot be broken. Don closes with these words. He says, Does man do nothing? Has God done it all? Does man do nothing? Listen to this. He says, oh yes, we did much. We did the falling. He did the lifting. We did the running. He did the catching. Isn't that wonderful? We did the wandering. He did the fetching. We did the sinning. He did the saving. He took on him the seed of Abraham. Amen.